0: Hello, everyone. I'm Reverend Carla. Welcome to Spirituality Matters. And now I invite you to settle into this sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled The Rise of the Nuns. Why the spiritual but not religious movement? is growing. So as always, you can find the blog portion of this at numasoul.com and feel free to read along. All right. So now one thing I do want to clear up for the record, for those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, um, we're talking about the rise of the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, as in nothing, none at all, because hearing that title out of context, it could sound like I'm talking about the uprising of, or the increase of Catholic nuns. I don't know much about that, but just because it's me, I had to go down a rabbit hole and look at well, what is happening with Catholic nuns? I, you know, I uh, my experience had, was that um, I spent part of my childhood in a in a public school that was heavily influenced by Catholicism because I would say ninety eight percent of the people in the, this small town, USA, were Catholic. On Um, Ash Wednesday, it would be me and maybe three other students, the entire, we'd have to sit, uh, in a homeroom with a volunteer while everybody else went to Ash Wednesday services, nothing wrong with that, just sharing my story here. And everybody would come back with their ashes on their uh, forehead. And I always felt like I was kind of being left out, but as Southern Baptist, we did not, we did not do that. Um, But I will tell you that that's also the school where my teacher told me I was going to hell because I wasn't baptized as a child. That's why there should be separation of church and state. And there wasn't during that time. But I also had the experience of having several Catholic nuns as my teachers, and they were strict. Some of them I didn't like, some of them I did, but I think that I learned from them. I don't have any bad experiences. So sitting on the outside of Catholicism and being impacted in that way, um, I didn't know much about them. But here's what I found out that, that uh, really surprised me, Catholic nuns are not supported Financially, the way priests are. So, they have to go out and get conventional jobs to help contribute to the overall expenses of their living expenses, their community expenses, their healthcare, all of that stuff. They have to help contribute with an outside job. So, not only do they have responsibilities inside the church, they then have to work. Well, of course, a patriarchal system is going to prioritize. Men being taken care of 100% while women have to work. Now, that's as far as I'm going to go into this. uh, But to tell you that uh, Catholic nuns are basically disappearing, I think they're down to just uh, a few thousand in in the United States. You can go do your own research. I'm not even going to put any of that into the show notes. Um, And I'm certainly not an expert, but I I did find that interesting because I wanted to see how. How, is Catholic, how are Catholic nuns being impacted by this time when so many other uh, religions, especially uh, primarily Christianity, is losing memberships every day? So what does that mean for nuns? And they certainly are being impacted. So for today, though, I'm going to share a little bit about what it means to identify spiritual, but not religious, why that is growing, especially here in America and share my journey from being a fundamentalist uh, Christian to being spiritual, but not religious and the data behind that on why we are growing in numbers. Okay. So first of all, let's start with just a quick explanation of what it means to be spiritual, but not religious. It simply means that a person has chosen to explore their spiritual path outside the construct of organized religion. It doesn't mean that you can't ebb and flow. Some people consider themselves on a spiritual but not religious path, but still may have a religion or a denomination or a church to which they're connected. It's not exclusive. From the person, the individual, the spiritual seekers perspective, some churches would reject you wholly. If you're not going to adhere to their belief system, that you wouldn't be invited to worship and you wouldn't be invited to be a member. But a lot of people who are spiritual, but not religious do find spiritual communities and churches that are welcoming of them. And they still feel like they want to be uh, in community, but they don't necessarily believe all the tenets of that, of that church. So what I find interesting, though, is that basically I have become the person that my church warned me about, that my religious heritage warned me about. And I'm often accused of evangelizing out here to try to get people to leave. And that's not the case. I'm not trying to tell you all the good things. I'm saying, if you've left, I want you to know that you're going to be okay, and that there are ways that you can heal from whatever wounds you might be carrying, from whatever bitterness, and you still have hope for connection and being living a spiritually authentic and empowered life. That's what I'm telling you. But there was a time in my life that I know not only despised the person I am now, I thought that they were evil. And that's really hard to admit because I know that i was that judgmental arrogant christian who took pride in holding on to this exclusive closed-minded club of christianity i didn't see it at that time i did not see how ignorant arrogant i was or ignorant that kind of just wanted to slip out. So maybe I also need to say that because it is ignorant to think that you are the gatekeeper for other people's spirituality. And if you're not doing it my way, okay, well, whatever, you're going to hell and feel so brazenly bold to be able to say that to somebody. So not being aware of this, I thought the dichotomy is that I thought I was being a humble servant, servant of Jesus, and certainly to my church. And I wanted my pastors to know that. And I'm not the only one. Trust me, everyone's raising their hands in praise and worship and making sure that the church leaders know that you are being an obedient servant and you're not afraid to let other people know about your your faith and you will share it with others or at least your judgment of others. So at the height, when I was really diving in, even though, you know, I talk a lot about I can look back even when I was deeply indoctrinated into and walking and trying to be the good Christian. Um, I had doubts and I had questions. I just tried to push them off because I couldn't get answers. And if I asked, then I was seen as having a weak faith or I had a spirit of offense, or I had uh, a doubter's mind and, and or a, a, weak faith. And I, it, it was, it was very disheartening. No one would ever a hundred percent answer your questions, only turn it back into some kind of judgment on you. But even at that height of my Christian piety, I would work tirelessly on church communities. I rarely missed a church event. Um, I, I, Always at any church I was, I, I attended, my husband and I attended, I was in leaders, uh, positions of leadership, uh, volunteered all the time for Sunday school activities. Um, I, at our last church, I was even partaking in the church's, quote, ministry school for a short time. But that facade began to crumble, partly because I was exhausted. I could never be a good enough. I could never be the good, a good enough Christian. I just was getting tired and frustrated. And for far too long, I had witnessed the hypocrisy, the gaslighting and the downright abuse of church leaders. And I, not only had I experienced that I had seen it happen to other people. And by that time, bitterness was really starting to come up. So I wanted Uh, I started to think about options of how I could get away from this, but still be able to hold on to my spirituality or find it. I didn't even know where I was, what I would do if I left, because I only knew spirituality and the construct of Christianity in the construct of the church, how the church defines a spiritual community. And I believed the things when they talked about where two or one are gathered in my name, that that, that literally meant It had to be reflected in your spiritual affiliation within the Christian denomination. And I would often question and push back on some of the actions of the church leaders who were hypocritical, who were gaslighting and manipulative. And to be told that I was the one who was wrong for number one, challenging it or bringing it up and not coming under authority. Or number two, that even God's chosen are just humans, and they are flawed, and we should offer them grace. So in other words, don't hold them accountable, even though we'll we'll send all guns blazing to a church member who may make a mistake. But when it comes to the church leaders, they are uh, unapproachable, and they are above reproach when it comes to some of their actions and behaviors. So towards the end of my time, when I was uh, an obedient, submissive member, I started to see things differently. It's like the things started to peel away from me, what they start to call this deconstructing, you know, this, that I didn't even know what deconstructing was until I came to TikTok. I always, I think I've, I've said it here before. Where I talk about this uh, just untangling from my beliefs is what I would call it. And that started to happen. And I, it even started, even though I was inside this, this quote ministry school, I realized that there was nothing valid about this. It was some kind of program. It was all taught by volunteers who had no pastoral or seminary training or credentials. Some of them were just not, they were just undergrads who were filling a volunteer position and, and, and it was supposed to be grading my answers from a, from a seasoned, uh, spiritual perspective when they had not even been trained to do that, nor had they had enough experience to do that. So they're their judging of you or your ability to, to move forward was all subjective and they had no business. And then I realized that ordination was always going to be a moving target. That wasn't like you were working towards something that you could ever see. And I was like, mm, this is all about the whims of the lead pastors. And I'm not going to be involved in this. It's actually quite a, quite an embarrassing program for that church. And I I hope they're no longer offering it because I don't think it serves the the whole of any body to be able to offer program like that. That's like a moving target for ordination. So I was becoming unchurched long before I actually became unchurched and, but it, my religious indoctrination it, I had had it since I was a little girl, I'm talking six years old and still, and going into adult Bible study with my grandmother. That was so effective that it was just impossible for me to see that What I really, what was really happening that I, I was still trying to claw my way through this, figuring out how I was going to navigate uh, my, my Christian faith to find a, a footing. I'm now looking for other churches. I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to go if I decide to leave, leave this church, but I had not picked up the fact that I was actually becoming the person that I had been warned about my entire life. And you, if you're not coming from that type type of indoctrination, you listening to this, it may sound outrageous to you that your indoctrination compels you to think that you're holding on with every lifeline and you're, you're tying knots into those ropes to try to stay connected because that devotion is, is so much wrapped up in your identity that it's hard to recognize, separate the two, separate yourself from your spiritual community. and. Now I know that that was the first moments of all of that, of me untangling from the things that not only no no longer served my highest good, but also kept, prevented me from expanding my spiritual awareness to the place where I could sit at a table of humanity big enough for many people to sit, not just my exclusive Christian club. I didn't know I was going there. I couldn't, I couldn't see it because leaving this faith was like leaving a relationship. So you get in a relationship because you love one another, whether it's a friendship or a partnership or whatever it is, but something happens and the relationship starts to crumble under the weight of this partner that you now find out is selfish and narcissistic and will go at great lengths to use you and you're not getting much in return. And it's not like most of us will may dismiss that or may say, okay, well, maybe they're just having a bad day, but you have invested so much of your time and effort in this relationship that it's very hard for you to see that, it's time to leave, that you're the one who has to change. And Christianity was so intricately woven into my identity that the fear of not knowing who I would be outside of church just kept me firmly planted in that church pew. But one Sunday, and I remember it plainly, there was a sermon about obedience, and it was an oddly directed message. It felt Very, very personal. And after the service, two church members came up to me, independent of of each other, and said, I really think that that sermon was about you. Because everybody knew that there was some tension, some things that happened that I didn't agree with, and I was not being quiet about it anymore. But knowing that they picked up on it, and they knew, I knew other people knew that that sermon was about complete submission and submitting to authority. And the fear of completely losing myself in this toxic environment became the loudest voice in my head and in my heart and soul that became greater than the fear of not knowing who I'd be outside of church. And so I stepped out of those church doors for a final time and I never returned. So what I didn't know at the time was that I did, I would never return to church altogether. Like, um, I tried to attend a couple of them. My, my husband was just done. He just needed to uh take a break, but I still was not giving up on this wound that um this just this gaping wound of, of loss that I felt after leaving after leaving church. But what happened is that I would go and it, I would just, it felt wrong. It's not that the people weren't nice and the messages weren't great, were great. They were. Um, I just felt like I'm trying to force something that I shouldn't be forcing. I need to be someplace else. I need to go into what I now know is the spiritual wilderness. I didn't know it then. I wasn't going to find what I was looking for there. In another church, I needed to go into the spiritual wilderness, and I've shared about that before, and we will be talking about that more in other episodes, so please stay tuned for that. But here's what I want to talk about. Shifting gears a little bit from my story is, first of all, if spiritual but not religious resonates with you, I'm glad to hear that. And the first thing you always learn here is that there are no rules. It is about nurturing yourself, but I will also tell you this, some of the hardest work I have ever done in my, in the spiritual side of things, this soul work of healing and letting go of those things that no longer serve our highest good, but it also means about facing the dark shadows of who we are and the things that we hold on to as excuses or things that we know that we need to fix ourselves. The hardest work you can do is the soul work, but that ensures that when you turn back to the world, you are not coming from a place of brokenness. You're coming from a place of being a healed heart and a restored mind and a grounded, connected, empowered soul. And that's different and it's worth it, but yes, it takes work but also deconstructing i just want to throw this in here cuz i think sometimes people feel like oh my gosh so she deconstructed and she left church completely i don't want to do that that scares me that's that's my path that's my story that doesn't mean it has to be yours yours might be different i know many people who have even gone on to return to church maybe not necessarily the evangelical fundamentalist because there's a lot of all or nothing in there a lot of people they you're it's mandated that you believe a certain way but there are other places that are more liberal or progressive um, those are labels that i that sound more political and so i hesitate using that when we're talking about things of the spiritual realm but that's the best way to describe it there's also some that aren't even related to christianity like a unity or or unitarian or they start their own spiritual community which is what i did with numa soul uh, center for spiritual transformation and stay tuned. More is coming there very soon. But the spiritual but not religious uh, group, if you will, this section, this community that we have, this unofficial official community that we have is one of the fastest growing sectors in the country. And the data clearly shows that this is not going to go away. We are here to stay. Uh, one of the reasons that, that depends on who you what, what data you look at, If you look at data, uh, Christian centric data, data that's uh, harvested from Christian uh, perspectives, they'll often tell you that people leave church because they want to go sin. They want to have a lot of times they'll say, oh, they just want to have sex. I've actually heard pastors say that, like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about that? I've never heard anyone I've ever counseled with or anybody I've talked to say that's the reason they left. But they'll say, well, they've become distracted by worldly priorities or anything like that. But that is not the reason why people are leaving. What they'll say is that they no longer believe in what the church believes. And primarily it's because of the hypocrisy or the judgment or the stigma around the con- condemnation towards the LGBTQIA community or that the church is silent on social justice issues, or the gaslighting and manipulation that they see that is selectively chosen by church leaders, that doesn't sound like worldly priorities. So it's important that you understand that when church-centric, Christian-centric data reflects that, they're not talking to you. They're not trying to tell you or me. That's why I don't really get riled up if they say, oh, they just want to go have sex. (laughs) They're not talking to us. They're talking to the people in the pew and they're trying to keep them in the pew, instilling the, using the only tools that they know to use, which is fear, fear, manipulation, control. It's not about having a healthy dialogue with them about why people are leaving church. Now, look at how much is going out there related to deconstruction. And um, next week, I'll be talking more about that as I pull in a lot of data related to how prolific is what's happening now as articles are written and people are talking about deconstruction. So we'll go there a little bit more in uh, detail next week. But why did I leave church? Okay, so I think you can figure it out by now, but I keep retelling this because I often say that I I, I collided with church leadership and you hear that, that there was tension there. Of the course that's kind of was what the catalyst that finally uh, just forced me to to finally go out the door because other people don't have that kind of story. There are pastors out there who say, if they're they're effective and they're good listeners and they're true pastors and they're compassionate, when they have somebody in their uh, church or in their spiritual community who says, I'm questioning my faith and where my direction is, they should pastor them through that lovingly. With no judgment, even if it means they leave church, but that is counter to what the vast majority of uh, pastors are doing, because if increased membership means increased tithing, increased tithing means more funds to use at the church leaders discretion because don't forget that in these churches they're 501c3s, while the rest of anybody who has a nonprofit has to reveal their financials. The churches took care a long time ago that they don't have to reveal where those that money goes. Now they might pretend that they are and tell you something about, oh, we just gave ten thousand to this and so and so into that. Don't you think for one minute that there is a complete audited accounting of where that money is going? And it's a shame that we don't know that because I guarantee you that anybody with the last name of the head pastor is probably on payroll while the rest of us are working countless hours on volunteer and I'm paid. And we will never know that. And people will say, well, uh, we'll just trust the Lord. We'll just trust the Lord on that. You can go ahead and do that if you want. But I think some of the most hypocritical actions are happening in the bookkeeping of a lot of these churches. And sorry, that is a little bit of a side But I also am very triggered by that. But long, long before the tension really started to show but where it came to the surface and people were recognizing that uh, there was tension in my path and in my being in church. I was reading. I was secretly reading uh, books and attending workshops. I was reading about alternative theologies, about different denominational beliefs and, and different interpretations of the Bible. Even when I was deeply devoted to church, I snuck out, not just once, but twice, because he was in the town for the weekend to listen to Bishop John Shelby Spong. And I have to admit that I thought if I get caught, i not sure I'll be able to come out of, back out of this. And I really had a moment of like, am I going to be condemned in some way spiritually because of this? Because that fear-based indoctrination is really real. So this outward expression of how I was the faith I was exhibiting, but what this turmoil that was already inside me was, was happening. And then one day it just started to come to the surface and I no longer cared what the, I didn't know what the outcome was, but I could not stay silent anymore. And after leaving church and being in this spiritual wilderness and doing the work, I don't believe in just rejecting your religious heritage without doing the work, because I have seen it way too many times. And I've talked about it here where people think that uh, just leaving is enough, but you're still, you're still funneling your beliefs through that indoctrination. So what does that look like for you? What, what uh, prejudices and biases are you holding onto because you haven't really actively deconstructed those beliefs? So doing the work was the best thing I could do. And when I did, I grew to the point that fear of internal damnation, it had no power over me. This spiritual wilderness, even though I lost my spiritual community, I lost all contact with anybody who I had inside the church. It felt more comforting not knowing where I was going than risking going back to that. The construct of religion had nothing for me and I, I didn't need it anymore. That's not what I thought would happen, but that's what happened for me. Now, often church leaders will try to hyper-focus on certain things. Even when they hear your deconstructing story, they'll say things like, well, just because church hurt you doesn't mean you should give up on God. Well, who, who said that? Who said that anybody is? But it also means that we are willing to embrace that we know very little about the divine. And it's important that we hold the space for other understandings. And that means allowing other people to the table and inviting their stories along with them and their heritages, because you begin to see that our faith and our values are geographic. That's what it becomes. And you will never convince me. And a lot of us who are on this spiritual, but not religious path, that because I was born in America and raised Southern Baptist, that I'm the chosen, I'm part of the chosen one. I don't believe that. I don't believe you can call a kind and loving God that just because I was born here and, and raised that. I could have very easily been raised someplace else and been uh, raised, influenced by Islam. And so we have to be able to expand beyond that. So if we, if we don't actively deconstruct, then all of a sudden those, it, you get really wobbly when, you, when you're faced with other people coming at you with their experiences. And somehow sometimes you still feel like, ooh, is this right or is this wrong? I'm not really sure. Well, let's dive in together and learn. So that we, we, we embrace and we celebrate how other people are experiencing what is holy and how they celebrate that and how they show that how, what are their outward expressions of their faith? Because we have something to learn and no doubt our DNA somewhere back there is carrying some of this wisdom with them. And I think that's a, that's an important part of our, our spiritual heritage as well. What, what did our ancestors believe and how does that impact us now? Now there is a, a, an article and I'll put this in the show notes. It's called, uh, it's written by Michael uh, Lipka and he wrote a report titled why American nuns left religion behind. I like that simplicity of this because what it, what it is, is, is rejecting some of what uh, the church leaders are saying about why we left religion behind. And what I like is that this article allows us to say, look, we are vehemently rejecting that we have a weak, weak faith or a doubter's mind. Oftentimes the reason that we deconstruct or just look at alternate uh, theologies or just stay on the spiritual, but not religious path is because we did the work. We read, we studied when you wouldn't answer our questions and you convicted us for, for even asking them, we sought out other people because we knew you were wrong for telling us that we had a weak faith or a doubter's mind. It didn't stop the curiosity. We were no longer going to be convinced or convicted of, of somehow being flawed because you didn't know what to answer to answer would mean that you might lose influence and power. And we were no longer going to be silenced by that. So, so in other words, it isn't isn't we who are weak in our spirituality. And like I said earlier, some of the hardest work I've ever done to become a better person and to tend to my soul has been done after I left church. I would absolutely counter that. Uh, The church leaders who are trying to control the narrative and hurling these meaningless accusations at us, they're the ones with the weak faith not uh, not us. So when I discovered that the leadership at my former church went so far as to write letters to area churches quote warning them about me, I was deeply hurt, but not surprised because I had heard that they had done it before. That you know there's always little rumblings and pockets pockets of gossip. So yeah, there I'm sure that's not news to anybody who's listening. Who's probably listening from that church. I I hear it, I get it. But I had heard that they had done that to other people. And nobody was really proud of that, but it did happen. But I'm grateful for that one church person who was brave enough to come and tell me about it, because they didn't have to do that. And they risked judgment and and uh, being called out back in that community. But they did it. And it gives me hope that there are good people even though they might be afraid because they don't see themselves outside of their spiritual community. They did that for me. And I'm uh, very grateful for that, but it would be a few years later, even though I told you that that really hurt when I found out that they had done it to me. uh, One of my mentors told me that my response to finding out about those letters, which basically I just did nothing. I just continued on my healing journey She said that it showed that I had already attained a level of spiritual maturity that those who wrote those letters would never have. And I hadn't thought about that because I never even considered like, why? I don't want to change their mind. That's not what this is about. This is nothing to do with them. I have the right to my story and I share it. And this has nothing to do with them. I'm helping people because I've heard from you and I knew my spiritual nudge was that my my calling into this ministry was to say to the people who are trying to find their spiritual but not religious path and heal from religious trauma when they have given up on church. It's indisputable that I'm here and I'm doing that. But if you're taking offense to it, then that's a level of your weakness, not mine. So That means and if you feel that, if you understand what that means to know that, okay, this, this happened, this hurt, but I'm not going to ask them to hold them accountable because it will do no good. That's when we know that our soul is awakening and we are healing, that we are no longer going to be bound by that construct of toxic religion that harmed us in the first place. We're moving beyond it. Beyond it. And I'm so glad that I can say, I walk with the nuns, the N O N E S. I'm so honored to be in this space with you and blessed be. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be here and I pray that you receive something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week, and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming QA videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at Revcarla.com. As always, follow at Revcarla on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.